Hey everyone, I'm Veronica Roshek, and I'm your host of the Amplify Iowa podcast. This is a place to hear the stories of our favorite, some of the fastest growing, and some super unique local businesses directly from their leaders. Thank you so much for being here. Let's go ahead and get started. Today's episode is featuring Aaron Warner. He's the CEO of ProCircular. ProCircular is a cybersecurity business, and they do a wide variety of things in that arena that are probably abstract to a lot of us, but things that are all super important and relevant to our lives on a daily basis for sure. And he is based out of their their headquarters are in Coralville, but they also have locations in Des Moines, uh, Minneapolis, Cleveland, Missouri, and really virtually. So really just about anywhere. Aaron, thank you so much for taking the time to be a part of this. My pleasure, Veronica. Thanks for asking. Of course. Yes. If you could just go ahead and tell us a little bit about how you got started. How did ProCircular become what it is today? Yeah, thanks. So I was a a CIO, a chief information officer in biotech for about 20 years. And as um, things, after about 2010, things really started to pick up uh, in terms of cybersecurity. Uh, We had all kinds of people trying to get access to our information, um, intellectual property and that kind of thing, uh, but as well getting after our clients' information, the customers that IDT serves work in a variety of different uh, areas of biotech, whether it's cancer research or diagnostics or uh, you, you name it. So a lot of valuable data and more and more we had people trying to break in. Um, so uh, I went looking for a company that could help us to chart our course through through the cybersecurity area because we just didn't have the resources to do it completely ourselves. Um, I could find really large companies that could offer those services, companies like Ernst & Young or Deloitte, but they were incredibly expensive. Um, They were not a great fit for a mid-market firm like IDT. Uh, I could find companies uh, that would be uh, on the other end of the spectrum. They were mostly product companies that could sell me a box or some solution, but we needed more help than just a a single firewall or something I could install on a computer. And then, you know, the only real mid-market companies that were out there at the time uh, were companies that uh, also did like accounting or software development or or those sorts of things. And I really wanted somebody who focused solely on cybersecurity. You know, the stars kind of aligned and it, it seemed like there really wasn't a great solution to that out there. So I thought, you know, Um, I think I'm going to take a swing at this. It's been 20 years in biotech. Maybe it's time for a change. So I met up with some really smart people and um, got together. And in uh, September of 2016, uh, we launched uh, ProCircular. So that's that's sort of how the company got its start. I, I was a I was a customer of all of these things before uh, we we really started the the company to to sell them. Um, probably also worth mentioning, Veronica. It was it was prior to the 2016 election, which uh, I think brought cybersecurity to the forefront of a lot of people's thinking. You know that it it affects everybody. It's not just you know your banks and um, 
you know, your, your apples where uh, people have intellectual property to steal it. It, it. I think the election really, really made it hit home. Yeah. So you really found a gap in this massive market now today um, that probably has always been a massive market for since I'm going to assume since intellectual property existed since, you know, more and more we're storing everything, the cloud and on the Internet, on right and all of those different platforms. A lot of a lot of people rushing to move stuff to the cloud. You know that has a lot to do with it. It opens up some new, some new security risks. Um, the COVID situation actually is the most recent example of that, uh, where, you know, in March, everybody decided that they had to work from home, and the priority was okay. So, regardless of what industry you're in, whether you're in education or insurance or uh, healthcare or, I mean, to the degree possible everybody had to work from home so uh it departments were stuck with like okay i need to get 300 new people working from home that i hadn't planned on we're gonna do that and get them up and running and um we're gonna have to do that in a very short period of time i think that those efforts were amazing and that the infrastructure is held up as well as it has uh, is is a, a pretty astonishing feat. But one of the things that kind of got left to the wayside was security. Uh, the priority was like, get everybody out and running at their houses with laptops and whatever you can cobble together. Uh, just now we're starting to see a lot of companies come around to the idea that, hey, you know, we probably need to secure this stuff too. Um, we've seen a pretty massive uptick in COVID-related cybersecurity breaches as a result of, you know, that sort of rapid response to the pandemic. So similar situation, you know, it's um, change breeds risk. Right. And, yeah. you know, that's that's really what we, we where we, where we tend to shine. Right. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a huge part of, of everything that majority of us are doing right now as we're both sitting in our homes working from home and, you know, it's just, it's a different dynamic and different uh yeah different web-based programming and all the security stuff that i know our own security people were backed up for weeks trying to get everything figured out in our own systems uh as well Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's definitely a huge huge issue what a great time we've talked about this already but that uh how much is luck and how much is true hard work and strategy and while there's definitely a lot of hard work and strategy going into this what great timing uh to get into this market i i didn't i you know as the saying goes right i'd rather be lucky than smart uh the uh i knew that that things were going to get complicated in cybersecurity, but i had no way to know like that the dnc was going to get hacked like or WikiLeaks, or you know the the impact of ransomware and and that sort of thing. I mean, it happened really quickly. We just happened to be kind of in the right place at the, at the right time. And we've, we've been able to help a lot of companies to avoid some of that mess. Um, Cause it's pretty terrible when it does, when it does happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, it just, it makes perfect sense. It really does. How, um, as, so as a, a company, you've been around for a few years now, for sure. You've really got a strong foothold, um, in, in that marketplace. Uh, how did you grow that value into, 
being pro-circular being a, a go-to spot for cybersecurity in that market, in that mid-place market? You know, it's, um, and every, every company has core values and talks about, you know, how important those core values are, but we really took that stuff to heart before, you know, we started hiring anybody before, uh, we started scaling the company up. We really took a step back and thought about what kind of a company do we want to be? Um, and it's particularly important in the world of cybersecurity. Um, cybersecurity engineers are in such demand. Uh, you know, there are something like 7 million unfilled jobs in cybersecurity. Wow. Um, the, yeah, the people who work in that in that field, the engineers, particularly the technologists, um, they uh, uh, they work where they want. You know, they don't have to take a job anywhere. And if they're not happy in one place, it, they're a phone call away from their next job. So making sure that the culture was a good fit, that we built the the kind of place that people want to work, that we hired people who really enjoyed really loved what they what they do because that's that's that that makes all the difference in in the world um so i think you know while our company can so sometimes resemble like that bar scene in star wars right where <laughs> i mean it takes a lot of different characters to do what we do uh but it helps us to attract some of the best and brightest from from around the area those from those different communities uh where um other companies might really struggle to fill to fill those positions. Um, uh, that's been a big part of our our success is really making it about the people. Um, on the on the client side of things, I mentioned this earlier. Uh, you know, I was a customer of all this stuff. Yeah. So I know what it's like to be disappointed by a vendor. You know, we knew uh, all the different lies that are told. You know, when you buy something, you get all the promises in the world, and then you're like, well, so this is not what I bought this is not what you told me I was going to get. We've tried to avoid all of those pitfalls. And I think that really resonates with our, with our clients as part of the reason our clients are such a big part of our growth. You know, once we've done some work for somebody, they're usually pretty happy to tell anybody and everybody, look, you really need to work with ProCircular because we were blown away by the, the quality of the work that they do. Those two things are very closely related to, to one another and have had a lot to do with our, our rapid growth. That's great. Certainly there's rapid growth if you're in all of these locations, primarily in the Midwest, really relatively early in, in the lifetime of your, your company to be able to grow that. So that speaks volumes about what must be going well, which is always good news. Yeah, of course. So tell us a little bit, because to me, certainly, and I'm sure for people listening, cybersecurity to a point, we all know what it is. We know how important it is, but it's so abstract too at the same time. So can you give us an example of what would be some sort of a, a situation that you would be assisting with or problem you would be solving? Yeah. I mean, the really, the really cool sort of sexy part of what we do. I mean, we get paid to hack banks and hospitals and, <laughs> and governments like city and state government. So that's in the industry we refer to as penetration testing or red teaming. So uh, we'll have a group reach out to us and we take on the role of the hacker and we use that the metaphor breaking into the house, right? We kind of drive around the house and pull on the, the, the doors and see if we can get in through the windows. Once we get in, and we almost always get in, in fact, we always get in, we poke around to see what we can get into. 
and then uh, we document that really carefully. Um, we work very closely with the companies uh, that we're testing, so their IT department gets to kind of watch what we do and learn from what we do so they can keep it from happening again. Um, you know, better to have us break in and show them like this is how we we got in. You need to shut this thing off like this afternoon uh, rather than finding it out because some hacker has been hanging out inside of their network. So we do some of the, the proactive um, penetration testing. Uh, we do quite a bit of uh, monitoring. Uh, so helping organizations to kind of keep eyes on glass so that they know that they've got a problem developing rather than figuring out, you know, all of my computers are locked up. Um, uh, we, we've been pretty successful in helping organizations to avoid um, major problems by, by crushing them when they're still kind of a small problem. We do that through our security operations center. And then um, on the compliance side of what we do, you know, when, when governments get nervous about, about things, typically they pass laws and regulations. Yep. Um, that's very true in cybersecurity as well. The regulations right now, there's no really good overarching federal regulation. So state by state, it's, it's really different. Um, companies uh, that have to operate in multiple states have multiple sets of requirements that they need to meet. Mm -hmm. Frequently, there are also uh, industry requirements. So companies that sell to the government have compliance requirements. Uh, uh, banks have very specific requirements related to how often they need to test their own security and, and so forth. So we have a, a, a great part of the company. Our GRC group uh, is led by Ty Hollins. He's our new chief information security officer. That group is responsible for helping companies to kind of navigate their compliance requirements. Uh, and then last but not least, um, and it is typically how we meet new customers. Um, actually, very few of our customers tend to get hacked, uh, but occasionally it does happen uh, or we'll get a call from uh, from a company. We are the boots on the ground that they can call when bad things have happened. Um, so, and uh, lately we've been very busy with that kind of work. The Russians have been very busy lately, mm. I, I think as a lead up, lead up to the election, right? right. Um, so. You know, they call us and they say, hey, nobody can do anything. We've Our company's been down for a day. Could you get people in here? So we'll fly folks in and help them to assess the situation and kick the bad guys out, figure out how they got in in the first place, and then keep it from happening again and help them to get back up and running as, as quickly as, uh, as, as they can. That's it's unfortunate in those situations. It's a lot of high stress, uh, but the um, uh, you know the clients that we've helped through that have all I think come out of it stronger as a as a result. Absolutely. So that's probably that's yeah. probably more more than we we're looking for. We're a pretty full services firm, but we only focus on cybersecurity. So we don't sell a bunch of software. We don't um, sell like firewalls or products and that that sort of thing we are solely an, an advisor an independent advisor to help companies to confidently manage their cybersecurity risk sure yeah no i mean it's it's a lot of information but it's helpful to hear exactly what all that can be done and 
should be done and is done along mm-hmm. the line. And so in in kind of that same train of thought, how much of, the, you know, let's say you start working with a company for the first time or it's somebody you, you're already working with, but probably majority of the first time, how much of that is, ah, everything's on, we already have this major issue going on right this second, we need to do something. And how much of it is, yeah, we, you know, we heard of so-and-so down the street that had something happen. We think we should call you or just, yeah. you know, they, they just know they should do it. Yeah. I, the, I don't want to end up like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say about uh, probably a little less than 25% of our revenue is incident response. Um, so while we do, I mean, we do quite a bit of it, but, uh, the, I'm happy to say that the majority of the work that we do for our clients is proactive, um, helping them to avoid having to make that that phone call. Yeah, that makes it a little bit more uh, enjoyable, I'm sure, than being in emergency sure. all the time. I'm sure it's in some cases fun or fun to talk about afterwards, but probably not fun in the moment. <laughs> it, it's pretty, I mean, it can get pretty exciting negotiating, you know, with, with one ear uh, of your phone on with the FBI and the, um, the other ear people at the office and then negotiating with hackers in Russia at two o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, there's a little James Bond to that, um, but it does, I mean, it gets old and it is exhausting work. That is by the way, a a true story. That's how I spent (laughs) two Fridays ago. That's how I spent my Friday. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And, um, for the most part, we really prefer to do proactive work because the the cost of those incidents just emotionally for the clients that we work with is so high the opportunity cost is is incredibly high it takes everybody's attention away from whatever the company or organization uh, is trying to do you know they could be could be working to serve their patients better they could be working to grow their company they could be working to um, you know help their students out particularly in the middle of a pandemic right? Yeah. Nobody's got, nobody's got time for that, that yeah, stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And this, uh, penetration testing, what you called it when you're testing to see how you can get in and you said, usually you can. So I'm sure that that also create, I mean, that's immediate value that you're showing them that oh, yep. here's what we were able to do. Here's what you need to do about it. Yeah. It, and it can help to open some eyes. You know, every, every company has all sorts of people. And in the in the company, and some believe that it's real, and some don't. And when you can show them, like, look, this is what these guys were able to do. Um, you know, we really need to take this seriously. It can help IT departments to make the case for cybersecurity, because honestly, a lot of the time we don't have to make the case to IT. They they know they know that those risks are out there. A lot of the times. You know, it's just uh, getting around to setting the funds aside to do to do the work in the first place. Sure. Um, but the the um, our approach working with the client, like a lot of companies, for whatever reason, a lot of cyber companies, for whatever reason, are super secretive about how they do what they do. We're totally transparent. Um, and in fact, one of the greatest impacts that COVID has had is that it's harder to do that kind of testing without um, being able to sit at a conference room table with the members of IT. 
Hmm. So we we kind of have to do that stuff over Zoom now. We figured it out, but it's been it's been one of the challenges related to the to the pandemic is figuring out how to have that partnership approach to um, penetration testing. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and so and then in all that to kind of switch gears to how you're running your business and you know what's going well and that sort of thing. What sort of you know, as you're building out, how do you decide for these other business owners and um, people that are maybe trying to grow to the next level, that sort of thing? How do you decide you you need to grow in any sort of various way where it's adding people, adding location, adding, uh, you know, different levels of support? And what, mm-hmm. along that same thought too, what sort of habits and values are you instilling into all of these um, you know, people that are really virtual and all of us are, you know, a lot of us, that's a new world, but in your world, it seems to be, you know, it's kind of how you started. So, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so we're, we're bootstrap yeah. company. Um, it's, you know, the investments were investments that I, I made personally. And while we started off with, you know, a little, a little more than nothing, um, we don't have private equity or venture capital money to draw on. So we've had to be pretty smart about how we make our investments. Honestly, Veronica, the, the big thing uh, with us, we, uh, for us, it is more, it's kind of a crisis of opportunity. Mm. So there are a million different directions that we could go in. And uh, for us, often it is more important that we figure out what we're not going to do than what it is we need to do. Um, The the writing for us is usually on the wall in terms of places where we need to focus. The question is, you know, what of the 50 things that everybody would like to do, and that's one of the great parts of having smart, creative, interesting uh, women and men in the the company, right? Um, But you can't do 50 things at once well you know, you can maybe pick like five. So what are the other 45 things that you're not going to do now or maybe put off that later? Those are a lot of the conversations that we have internally. Um, I wish I could tell you that we had the whole work from home virtual office thing like knocked completely out of the park. Um, we We are lucky in that we're a relatively new company and we're uh, there are a lot of technologists in the company, so the transition is probably easier for us than it would be for like a manufacturer where you have to be on site. Um, but again, I keep coming back to it. The core values part of what we do. Everybody talks about it. We really walk the walk. So like our seven core values aren't just on our website. Everybody, including me, uh, everyone is reviewed based on those core values, you know. Um, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, um, one of the, oh, one of them, it's about people, strong opinions, uh, lightly held. So that one is like, um, everybody, and you can imagine cybersecurity attracts some pretty A-type personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people who break rules for a living, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody has strong opinions, but you also need to be willing to back away from that opinion. If somebody else brings in facts that are contrary to your position, right? Um, we really try to live those um, live those core values in everything that we do. I think that has been a big part of why 
um, not only have we survived this COVID mess, but we're accelerating out of it. We're continuing to grow. Uh, we're, we're expanding the things that we do and the quality of the work that we do, um, despite the fact that we're in the middle of this terrible pandemic. But I, I think the core values have had a lot to do with it. So thinking about who you want to be as an organization is, is really important. Yeah, I think that's a really good message. And of of course, we're no one's going to be absolutely perfect, but yeah, to be able to keep those core values uh, in front of you, and even just being aware of the type of the personalities of the people that you're you're working with and who you want to work with, and all of that. That's that's great advice. Mm-hmm. Totally Thanks. We we're really trans- transparent about that too. We use a, a thing called Enneagram, which is kind of similar. Oh, I to love that. Yep. Myers Briggs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, and everybody takes it and then like once a year we kind of show this is what our company looks like you know and these are the people who are um you know adventurers and these are the people who are helpers and these you know helping to kind of understand um where everybody's kind of coming from where their where their real skills lie it also helps us with hiring so yeah. um, most recently, uh, we identified we've got a lot of eights, which are kind of like a, a very strong personality. That is, that's the challenger, I think. If I that's remember that's exactly right. <laughs> a lot of a lot of challengers. So what that's led us to do in our hiring is like, you know, what we don't need a company full of nothing but challengers. We need people who, you know, will take risks. We need some people who are also super detail oriented. We'll make sure that so we're out hiring a bunch of people right now. We're focusing on getting people who don't just have that, that challenger mentality. We try and balance that out so that, you know, it does take all kinds of folks to do what we, to do what we do. So yeah, it's another little, little trick that we've picked up along the way. Yeah. I think that's a good, a good trick. I really also like that specific type of assessment. I think it's a good one. It's pretty well-rounded. I knew that it worked when I showed the results to my wife, Heather, and I'm like, this can't be right, can it? And she's like, yeah, they've totally nailed you. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. 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 That, that, that's the, has the truth written all over it. If if the Uh spouse can, can lay it out. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, for pro circular, what is next for you guys as, um, you know, we're obviously in the middle of a pandemic and there's change happening every day, but as, as you're accelerating and growing what's next what's next um we're really focusing on expanding our uh grc practice i mentioned that uh, the ties come into the firm we've got some yes. really solid expertise there um we're growing uh nationally you know we're really taking advantage of the fact that we're now able to deliver all of our services, regardless of geography. We're expanding our sales team. So we're not just sitting by and watching this pandemic thing happen and and analyzing what it's doing to us. We've turned the tables on it. And um, I'm, I'm confident. I mean, we're really going to accelerate out of this a much stronger company as as a result. I'm, I'm, you can probably tell I'm pretty excited about what's about what's to come. Yeah, absolutely. I It's good uh, passion and it's good to see the drive in the leader of the company for sure, especially during, you know, really challenging and times full of change, which as, matter, as much as anyone may 
think they like change, this has certainly turned it on its head for just about everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, even for somebody who, you know, I worked in biotech for a long time. That is a place of massive change. To go from that to cybersecurity is kind of out of the pan and into the frying pan, or out of the out of the pan and into the fire. Uh, but to be totally honest with you, I could do with a little bit of normal through the rest of 2020. Uh, this year has been a lot. Um, yes, yeah. absolutely. I want to thank you so, so much for all of your time and for sharing about ProCircular and your journey. And we hope for the best for you and we'll be more than happy to able to cheer you on as you continue to grow and spread throughout the country. Happy yeah. to know another local Iowa company is making big time. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. Really, really appreciate it. Um, it's, been, it's been fun. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Amplify Iowa podcast. If you enjoy these stories, please leave us a review, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and follow Amplify Iowa on social media. A-M-P-L-I-F-I-A. Amplify Iowa. Small businesses. Doing big things. <laughs>